Not only is it deeply fulfilling to make podcasts that bring new perspectives on society to folks, with Anchor, it's incredibly simple. It's a free podcast host with tons of creation tools that help make cut and polished podcasts straight from your phone or computer. Anchor makes podcasting simple. They distribute your work to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other major platform distributors. They come with a built-in advertising system so you can make money without a minimum listenership. It's got everything you need to make a fantastic podcast in one place. So go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hello and welcome to Deconstruct. My name is Fitzgerald Pucci. There are many myths in American society that are causing us to act against our own interests, and Deconstruct's goal is to shed light and give clarity on these myths. Together, we'll trace the origins of the myths our society has forgotten the history of. We'll follow the money trail of the people and institutions who benefit from these myths, and we'll study together how each myth changed the way our world works. Our goal is to equip a listener with a multitude of lenses to see each myth with a fresh perspective and give them the power to reach their own conclusions. Okay, I am with my good friend and my teacher, Tori Cummings of the Little Lotus Trading Company. She lives and practices in North Brookfield, the hometown where I'm from. And she has been practicing and teaching and healing the community for a good long time. Tori, I'm stoked to be doing this with you. Thank you so much for having me. And I am just grateful to do this, talking to someone else from this town who's grown up here. Um, But something that um, is just important is, like, I've been in this healing world and Mm. working on this for years now, but there's always more growth to do. And this is just one type of ideology. So Mm. always explore for whoever's listening and feel free to explore what modalities work for you and what um, ideologies from different lineages work for you. Can you tell me a little bit about the modality that you're bringing at this moment to us? Absolutely. So a lot of what I share with myself um, and those that come to connect with me is basically traditional true yoga from Mm. um, India. Um, My main teacher that uh, taught me at my first yoga training, her name is Adi Shakti, and she Mm. was trained um, in India and brought her method, the Akanda Shakti method, back to um, Costa Rica where I trained. So that's a lot of what I share. And then I also have a lot of traditional teaching from Anita Sundaram, who is Mm. also from India. Um, And she was my teacher at my 500 hour teacher training at School of Yoga Institute. So a lot of what I have learned is traditional Ayurvedic practices and Ayurvedic Mm. practices um, mean like Indian medicine practices. So it's very holistic. It covers much more than just pills. It's mostly roots and herbs and things that you take, but it's a whole uh, sphere that covers Mm. everything. It's not specifically just one thing like we go to the doctors here for. It sounds as though you've undergone a significant, not just a single metamorphosis, but a tremendous series of them. 
And I'm so curious, what has it felt like? What has it felt like to have walked so much of the journey that you have walked from then to now? All in all, um, it's been really humbling mm. and it's made me constantly step into the space of growth, which I'm really grateful mm. for because to be honest, I did not like the person I was years ago and I was yeah. not anywhere close to the same person I was years ago. Yeah. Um, I resonate with that a lot. Yeah. And I think a lot of us do when we do start following this path, but it's just opened up a lot of pathways for me that I never would have thought were doors that I would go through or move through. Yeah. Um, so it's really been just like a completely humbling, but very grateful, gratifying thing. Yeah. It seems like you've got a really powerful door that uh, has the chance to be open today. And I'm really excited to step through that with you. I hope so. Hopefully I can uh, get the words out properly. <laughs> um, but yeah, do you want to dive into the koshas? And yeah. Yeah, let's do it. So something that I want to mention that um, Fix and I began discussing prior <laughs> um, is something called the koshas. And the koshas are the layers of our physical being. And often we just think of ourselves as a layer of mass and flesh and we have to consume specific nutrients and water to live from day to day. Mm. But there's so much more than just the physical that we need to pay attention to. And that's something that we really need to fade away from in our society, in my opinion. Mm. Of course, there's the physical layer, what we call anamaya kosha. And mm -hmm. ana means food. Mm. It's the outermost of the koshas. Mm -hmm. And it's called the sheath of food. This is the most superficial layer. And mm. only by caring for our physical layer are we able to find true health and begin to move inward and experience the other layers of our being so mm. the first step in this is actually becoming healthy through the things we take into our body physically right do you feel like do you feel like people get hung up on this layer and have it be the last place that they go to I feel as though people often get hung up on what to take in their bodies and the new fad diets and the mm. vegan vegetarianism and mm. like mostly plant-based. I feel like that's more of a cycle that sometimes gets a little weary and hard to decipher through in our mm. days. And I feel as though a lot of the time we don't necessarily think consciously in the moments of mm. eating and if you're right. hungry you grab something fast because that's our society yeah you know how many right. times do we drive and eat yeah i mean before this whole thing happened <laughs> true <laughs> everything was hyper pace mm -hmm. and I, I i agree with you so much my eating reflected the constant hurry that i was in mm. and i'm trying to grow a little more not just in the things that I eat mm. but the way that I partake in it as well mm -hmm. for folks that are getting on to the level of uh, becoming more conscious of what they put in their bodies do you have any wisdom to offer 
to allow them to transition into adopting a new mindset of taking that next step into the mindfulness of their consumption. Absolutely. There's so many different ways to be mindful while you're eating. Mm. But number one, I'm going to say, put your phone in another room. (laughs) If you want to listen to music, go for it. Put on some music and put it off to the side. But keep your phone out of your hand. The most mindless eating is in front of screens. So other than that, um, some things that you can do is you can say your own prayer before eating, Mm. whether it's just, I'm grateful Mother Earth for you sharing this food with us. You can say amen. You can say any kind of little prayer that works for you. If you want to say a chant that invokes whatever energy you want for that meal to bring, go ahead. But that can really help you just tune in and Mm. be more grateful for what you're about to consume. Um, How does a word or an invocation like that help prepare the body's systems in consciously uh, digesting its own food. Is there a connection between the two? So the thing is, is when we fully activate um, our diaphragm and our Mm -hmm. uh, stomach, we activate what is called the vagal nerve. So the vagal nerve is something that moves all the way from our brain down to our stomach. So Mm -hmm. when we begin to breathe deeply and be grateful for the food, it actually kind of acts activate something deeper within you and um, specific words do invoke specific things mm. because I um, excuse me uh, Sanskrit is actually a vibrational language so when it comes to saying the words even if you don't know what they mean they're invoking that vibration and bringing mm. it into you so there, there is a specific chant that um, my partner and I do before meals, whether it's silently or aloud, mm. um, just to just be grateful and ground down into ourselves so that we can consume more consciously. That's so cool. That is, I get, my mind gets so lost sometimes in the way that everything down to the cellular scope is so accessible to us and so connected. And that is an insight that just reaffirms so much of that to me. And it brings me a a lot of wonder. Good, I'm so glad. And if you want any ideas on shanks or anything, let me know. Yeah, for sure. Would you uh, like to guide us into the next, uh, could you remind me one more time? Kosha. Kosha, yes. Absolutely. Um, So the next kosha, once you pass the physical layer and nourish the physical body, Mm. um, it is what is called pranamaya kosha. And Mm. prana means energy, but we also usually say pranayama for breath work and things of that nature. Um, But basically, the pranamaya kosha is extremely important to learn about because this is the way in which we learn to regulate ourselves. So this relates to the air that we breathe, the Mm. food that we eat, the books we read, the environment Mm. we choose to put ourselves in, Mm. the people we're around, and Mm. anything else that we physically 
emotionally, mentally digest. Yeah. So anything that you're seeing, if you live in a city and you're constantly seeing billboards and cars and all these crazy things, you are taking in a lot more energy than where we live in the boonies. Yeah. You know? One of Um, my favorite things about here. (laughs) It really is. Except good. It is so good. Um, But it's important that the things that we're watching on TV aren't constantly active activating our parasympathetic nervous system we want to be able to settle down from that so that we're not always in that state of shock or adrenaline and cortisone rushing through and adrenaline moving through us we don't want to be there if (laughs) if i spent more than like five minutes a day in fight or flight yeah i I would turn into robocop it would be terrifying yeah and the thing is is i think um this time of slowing down actually made people realize how often they were in fight or flight because Mm. fight or flight in our society isn't just due to survival anymore commercials put us into fight or flight tv puts us into fight or flight so many situations on the road put us into fight or flight like how many people are on their cell phones and things like that right so it's a matter of a lot of the things that we come across can put mm. us in that heightened awareness state right. and we want to be able to draw ourselves back even if we're seeing those things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So we have to regulate how we take things in um, mm. and that has to do with the pranamaya kosha. Right. I think it's something that jumps, pun not intended, <laughs> something that jumps out and scares me in mm. this is how much of the content of that's activating our fight or flight is manufactured by sources around us and that's purposeful it, it is. is and Every it's a really effective marketing technique that is consuming a lot of the spiritual and mental welfare of our people It is, absolutely. And this is something that um, I believe a lot of institutions use to distract us from ourselves so that we stay in that consumerism culture and keep buying and keep making and keep doing. And I say this as I make products. I do make products, but it's not... You know, it's mostly for health purposes, but well, it's... I mean, you're describing to me the way that you eat a meal, yeah, and yeah. that's already so radically different than the everyday. Mm. The amount of effort and the amount of mindfulness that you put into the crafts of your mm. business shows a deep ethics and a deep spiritual presence that I think a lot of businesses could do very well to learn and heal from. And I appreciate that and I also say that that's why I like to say that I try to own a conscious business Mm. um and that's something that I've been trying to raise the awareness of a little bit more around here yeah um because it is our job once we become business owners to you know help the communities and help those around us as much as we can so it is um more so my goal to be a conscious business person but Mm. it is um hard when you see all these different tactics of targeting people and it is hard because you are seeing it happening and people are also starting to kind of realize it but they don't know subconsciously and they continue sometimes seeing all these different things and taking them in yeah when we were still in the before time (laughs) before covid 
yeah it's i feel like this is going to be one of those times like like when when the year zero happened there was bc and there was ad yeah like pre-corona post-corona i wouldn't be surprised if next year they said you know what throw throw out the two millennium it's one yeah in in the in 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 the time before this momentous change in our paradigm, when people were going into the classes mm. that you were teaching, could you ever see people that were visibly affected by noise around them that they might have been consuming? So I feel as though it's very easy to read people when they sit down to meditate Mm. and it's kind of like watching a little one when you put sweets in front of them that new (laughs) challenge that parents are doing literally reminds me of how it is like watching someone meditate for the first time (laughs) wow that's so (laughs) it's just so pure to see them be like am i doing it right like i don't know okay i'm peeking i'm opening one eye i'm moving (laughs) around i'm uncomfortable i'm gonna wiggle a little bit i'm gonna switch my positions i'm gonna i don't know open both eyes look around and be like what is this yeah. You know, so it's um it's really interesting to see how just different things affect people, but it's usually their mental noise, their mm. mental chatter, what mm. I typically refer to in my classes as the monkey mind. Um and in Sanskrit it's called chitta vritti. So it just means the constant chattering of the mind, which is what yeah. it, our mind is trying to make us do. Because that is the monkey mind, the, the bigger part of the ego. They're trying to overcome mm. the full conscious self. Um, yeah. You say the word itself and it just sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it, it's a matter of you're trying to calm all those thoughts. And that's not something that's going to happen easily. So mm. when people first come in, and if especially even if it's someone I've taught for a while and they've had a hard day and I see them sitting down meditating at the end of class, I'm going to go over mm. and be like, how is that for you? Because I know it wasn't their normal. I know they didn't come in at their normal pace and something else is bothering them. Right. Um, Because you just see it in their bodies, the way they're either like soft or Mm. they're a little tense or shaky and things like that. There's just so many different little nuances you can see in people. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways to see that particular kosher. And mm-hmm. for you, I, your business literally depends on your ability to see these and to respond to them with grace and effectiveness. For f- folks that are struggling with the noise and the activation of these fight-or-flight responses, mm-hmm. how, how do you help others heal themselves? So something that I always mention immediately Mm -hmm. is meditation Mm. and often I will receive backlash when I say meditation (laughs) right because meditation doesn't mean just sitting and doing nothing right you can do walking meditations in nature you can do dancing meditations Mm. if you use flow props you can use flow prop sorts of meditations if you spin fire describe what a flow prop is (laughs) thank you for that so a flow prop is just um Basically, 
any kind of prop that you can dance with. So there's mm. things such as fans, there's mm. um, poi, there's hula hoops, mm. there's dragon staffs, there's staffs, there's levy wands. There are countless things that I have missed also. Damn, that's um, cool. <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of different flow props and if something if movement is a medicine for you mm. and it is hard for you to sit still yeah and your mind likes to wander i suggest trying to find a flow prop that works for you um right. because it really does like having that focus on that prop allows mm. you to ground down into the physical yeah. if you're very mentally chattery. Yeah. Um, so it grounds <laughs> you down into the physical and allows you to really like feel and be with whatever you're moving through. Right. So that was something that like along my journey, I really started with like, I did a good deal of yoga before um, mm. I started flow props and then I did flow props and it helped me even more in right. the realm of yoga too. So, yeah. I remember when I was a kid, I had a ton of different symptoms of ADHD. Mm -hmm. I was all over the place. My mind would not stop. And looking back, I really wish that I had a source of knowledge or just someone who could recommend me to... Uh, find a way to make peace with meditation where the stillness would just make my skin crawl. Mm -hmm. That is a really great component to add motion to meditation. Mm -hmm. That's, that's game changing. Exactly. And especially for kids nowadays mm -hmm. that are having their world flipped upside down, honestly, with all of this yeah. and having no idea about what to do. I have yeah. a lot of friends that have kids and they love to play with my flow props and I let them. I'm like, all yeah. right, I'll teach you some moves. Here we go. But <laughs> it's a matter of like, it's good to let them have something that can quiet their mind and allow them to yeah. be in that present moment without them understanding that even, right. but just being there and being conscious and being like joyous and content with what's right. going on, you know? And that's so, even with the previous structures that were alive and healthy and kicking back in the before time. <laughs> the contentedness and joy, were, were they part of that? I, I don't think so. I don't think so one bit. Yeah. I taught substitute in the district that I grew up in, and it felt like a jail sometimes. Mm -hmm. And there was never the question of, are, are you content in this space and stillness? Are you exploring anything? It was just, are you following directions and are you behaving? Mm-hmm. Which, and I think, my God, if, if, if we're handling Corona the way that we are, what are the kids going through? Exactly. And yeah, it's a, it's a big point to bring up, um, just conscious parenting. Mm. Um, this is something that I aspire to learn even more about, yeah. but it is something that I have learned a good deal about and it's about explaining things to your kids, not yeah. letting like a curtain be there where you're kind of hiding stuff and not biting at your kids when they're excited or trying to do something or maybe being mm. annoying to you and up your butt. Right. I get it. Right. Like, we all have those times. Like my nieces and nephews have done that and other mm. friends, kids of mine have done that. But we have to really look at why it's bothering us. Right. Not 
what's wrong with them because there's nothing wrong with them they're inherently just being children yeah and we need to make sure as a collective is the we that i'm saying yeah that we are consciously raising kids and also watching what they're soaking in how much Mm. tv are they watching right what are they seeing constantly you know yeah so just knowing that conscious parenting and really taking the time to slow down and ask them questions Mm. and help them understand will make them feel a lot better about this whole situation even though there's so much uncertainty in it is being open in that uncertainty like i don't know what's going on yeah none of us really do but it's all gonna be okay you know it i i i love to hear that affirmation i don't give myself that nearly enough and to hear you say that just now, I feel a wave of catharsis come up for me. Mm. I think of how deeply this moment of time affects this particular kosher for mm. everybody. Absolutely. And I, I, I find it so right to be able to open the discourse of what the noise looks like. This is a time now where if we are able to talk with folks and sort of challenge the motion, the, the, the understanding that constant noise and constant engagement is the norm, mm. if we can find a way to say, well, what if this was the norm? What if we tried something else? Mm. Then I, I, there's just a tremendous amount of transformative power. So mm-hmm. I would love to continue with this journey through the koshas with you. I am so full with joy and clarity as to really how much we got to dig into that one. Mm. Yeah, that was beautiful. Heck yeah. Um, and then from there, after the, um, we have the Anamaya kosha, which is the physical layer. Mm-hmm. We have the Pranamaya, which is the energetic layer. Mm-hmm. And then we have the Manamaya Kosha, which is the mental layer. So mm. Mana means mind. And I just realized I never told you what Maya means. It means illusion. So it's the illusion of the body, your energy, the mind, and so forth. So this is something that when you dive in a little bit deeper to um the philosophy of yoga yeah. and like their studies basically they know that our perspectives are personal and that it is an illusion and that's why yeah. they call these layers illusions of the self because wow. they are illusions of the self because sometimes we get caught up in them if you know yeah. what i mean um i i just see like i, I imagine different layers of this and I, I just see so many whirlpools in this one Mm-hmm. That if I get too close to without being like really paying attention to it, I'll just get sucked up mm-hmm. and start spinning around. And how it, I, I, this one feels a little bit trickier than the others. Mm. How do you navigate this? So, just to explain the Manamaya Kosha a little bit more, it mm-hmm. is the level of processing your thoughts and emotions. Yeah. So. Uh, when it receives clear instructions from a deeper level, it mm. functions quite well. 
Yeah, yeah. However, when it is clouded over by our illusions, mm. the deeper wisdom, or what I like to call our highest self, yeah. is clouded over. Right. And does this look like the, the inherent sense of intuition that we experience on a moment-by-moment -moment basis? And it does. And it, it it relates to that and also the space of us trusting that intuition mm. and distrusting that intuition. Yeah. Um, oh, that's a huge yeah. point in itself. Trust. Mm -hmm. Do people trust themselves? Do people trust each other? especially in a really religious community like this one mm. i've mentioned i've mentioned my takes on the christian church a couple of times in this podcast. <laughs> and one of the things that really upsets me about it is how the christian church when it went out into the world and started pillaging and started committing cultural genocide mm. not just the bodies they killed yeah. but the 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 lineages of culture mm they instilled a really deep sense of distrust mm -hmm. in the sins of the flesh, mm -hmm. in the constant call of Satan. Anytime someone isn't out doing their work for 50, mm. 60, 70 hours mm. a week, yeah. they're getting whispered, sweet nothings by the dark one. And I really feel like that absolutely annihilated our ability to trust in the voices we hear and you're right about that and a lot of what we've grown to be conditioned to believe mm. is through mostly religion mm -hmm. i remember feeling really weird as a kid because i was one of the only kids that wasn't baptized and i wasn't religious i was not brought up religious yeah. my dad would randomly mention things about god and him being real and yeah. i would just look over my shoulder and be like what i honestly was atheist for a really long time because yeah. I didn't like the way they I felt as though I was being shamed for who I was by religion right um which and, is a really critical component to the political structure mm -hmm. because like we can talk about God mm -hmm. and we can feel the connection that we have spent so much time cultivating mm. but then we talk about church and it's like and it's it's then it becomes a political party i also want to mention how a lot of the time even the word god mm -hmm. is a offsetting term for a lot of people and yeah. i was one of those people a few years ago yeah i think we did have this discussion a while for ago sure. um but basically like saying the word god made me uncomfortable right that's the vibration that it carried and that's what it it made me understand because i thought that was just due to the catholic religion right and i didn't understand more about it until yeah. i started diving into yoga yeah and once i went um and really dove into myself for a month just on that um training that I yeah. went to back in 2017. It was just a mm. matter of I was able to dive into myself and see why I wasn't comfortable using that term yeah. and then started using God, universe, right. um, the great spirit, whatever your term of it is. You know, right. I used them interchangeably, but it was a yeah. matter of accepting my God within yeah. and therefore recognizing it's not talking about someone external. Right, yes so much of the time we talk about god mm. as though it's something 
inherently above us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And something that has helped me, uh, has helped me grow as a person was the ability to develop a sense of the divine within myself. And yeah. I think this is this is my personal hot take here. I don't think I'm going to get much backlash. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the biggest myths that we have been conditioned to believe is that we are incapable of connecting ourselves to we're incapable of even thinking of connecting ourselves to this higher greater power uh and uh, one of the previous episodes i talked about i, I talked about what power looked like mm. and we we get higher up the scale of human power we go from the working class to the mm. middle class mm-hmm. upper middle you own properties you own corporations you own the world mm-hmm. and it gets this really deep sense of cynicism in the way that the farther up the scale we go, the more evil we see. Mm. But at the very top of the pyramid, it's it's, it's like we, we see Jeff Bezos on a flight of space yachts. And some people legitimately mm. look up and say, what is the most powerful thing in the world? And they see, they see Mr. Clean's evil twin brother. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But being able to connect to that deeper semblance of a power that makes the dollar seem very insignificant in comparison mm. has been one of the most healing processes for me. And I wish that we were able to find a way to institutionalize that sort of mm. discovery. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because everyone's going to come to the discovery of the divine being within them at a different point. Right. And, um, I'm not going to lie. I've had people look at me like, I've had 10 heads when I've said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> so it's a matter of, it's, it's not easy for people to see that the divine is when, within them, especially yeah. if they've been told their whole lives that it is outside of right. them. Right. Right. And, and and maybe they've had 20 plus more years than us to yeah. experiment and experience, excuse yeah. me, that, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. It's very interesting that it's looked at as an outside of us entity. But when we receive those messages of your intuition, Mm. um, it's it's an internal knowing. That message is coming from somewhere else. Where do you believe that message is coming from? Like, yes, we are instinctive, intuitive beings. Yes. And that's how we're born. But we also are conditioned in our livelihoods to phase Mm -hmm. out of that. So tuning back into that takes work. It's not something that's easy. And like I said, are we going to trust it? Are we going to distrust our intuition? You know? How can we come to the end of our journey when we've been given the wrong map? from the start yeah exactly and it's all about really just looking like thinking of like yourself as the witness of all the things that are moving through your mind Mm. of your daily habits like yeah take that step back like that figurative step back and see where your thoughts are for the day see where like your words have been for that day like what have they been have they been more in the positive more in the negative maybe a little bit just Mm. realistic or whatever it is like whatever moving is moving through you take a step back and try to watch that right because that that 
pause is what meditation literally teaches us yeah is to watch what our mind is doing as if we are looking down upon ourselves yeah not in a negative way just looking at ourselves right. you know what i mean and there's there's like that directional thing that i think really applies to that sort of god perspective above and below mm. I, I just wanted to quickly touch upon that because i think that's really pertinent yeah when i uh, I, I made an episode uh, about a week ago about mm. the, the the multiplicity of human nature, mm. about how we are more than the particular persona that we decide to act in in that one moment. Oh, absolutely. We're a whole script of players, mm -hmm. an entire play's worth of Shakespearean proportions of what parts of us come out in reaction a lot of the time mm -hmm. to the experiences that we have mm -hmm. and also the ones that we choose to be proactive rather than reactive with. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i remember how instantaneous my reactions would be sometimes and these players in me would burst out to the front and they would start soliloquizing like there was no tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. yeah and the, the act of meditation really just allowed me to recognize I was more than a single player. Mm -hmm. I would be able to go to this little table that I had in my mind of all the different, like, like literally the United Nations, but me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, though. And I would be able to observe one part. Mm -hmm. And the move from seeing me to seeing me, that I just waved my hands in a big old circle <laughs> for all of us that are listening on the audio waves. <laughs> and being able to stop and to recognize what part of me is coming out here. I remember I was on Facebook the other day mm. and I was looking at someone who just got like the sickest gig in the world. One of my friends is like writing software for SpaceX right now. They're oh, writing wow. like launch software. And I'm like, wow, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, it's awesome. And then immediately I started reacting. As soon as I saw that, I was like, well, geez, Louise, am, am, am I writing launch software for SpaceX? Mm, mm. What am I doing right now? How do I comparatively find my sense of worth when I see something so cool? But then I realized I'm breaking myself down into these tiny little bite-sized pieces. And mm -hmm. I'm looking at this little tiny bite-sized piece of this person's experience. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Social media is so good at feeding us that constant stream of tiny little bite-sized pieces. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I really think that that just serves to turn us into statistics. Because each of those predictable little chunks, if you assort all of that, rather than just letting a person be and be infinitely complex. Mm. If there's anything that I want this span of however many months of this first phase of the podcast, mm. the thing that I want to present is that we are, we deserve to view ourselves as infinitely complex beings. And we 
absolutely are. That's the thing is we're never a fixed thing. All of our emotions are in spectrums, how we feel, like our sexuality, our beinghood, we're all in spectrums. And that's the thing that I think confuses a lot of people because they want specific answers. Yeah. Um, it's either yes or no. Exactly. Black or white. And they don't want like a, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, like it wiggles a little bit. I'm not sure on this one. But yeah. um, something I, I really like that you brought up and I want to go back to just a tiny bit was yeah. um, the idea of comparison and yeah. how we do this so much on social media, as you just said. And mm. that's another thing that I really do believe that the higher ups <laughs> are using against us yeah. to actually divide us rather than yeah. bring us together because divided we're not powerful but if we come together we can be and that's and in that space of unity mm. um we find ourselves and when yes. we step away from that unity then that's when we get more confused and illusioned mm. by what's going on throughout the world but right. that comparison of seeing people's highs as you said like those little bits of yeah. people's lives like those are their highs right a lot of people don't share their lows right yeah, yeah. that takes a tremendous amount of courage to even consider doing yeah and it's very interesting when you do, because then some people feel as though they need to pity you. But right. if when I've shared mine, I'm like, no, I yeah. I'm not a victim here. I'm just sharing something that I've experienced right. and I've healed through and I just wanted to share it. But it's very interesting the responses you get when you yeah. do actually share things like that. There's a lot of responses that our social contracts have kind of written for us already. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to expressing the hard stuff, there's no rule book for that one. There's no. no easy response. And some people do go, oh, for you, and pat mm. you on the shoulder and say, if there's anything I can do for yeah. you, let me know. Mm -hmm. Not to actually extend that, but yeah. the words. I've heard them so many times. Oh, yeah. The, the responses that we get when we share that vulnerable darkness that is inherent in everybody really i i am so with you it's they're they're, they're interesting as hell to oh, yeah. see what happens when people have no idea what to say next yeah their logic process gets completely disrupted oh yeah because you can't say good to that yeah no you can't and it's it's interesting when you share like the not so great parts of your lives right. uh, or your life because um a lot of the time it's like people think that you're looking for attention mm. and these things and it's a matter of like you're just trying to share a right. story perhaps or whatever it may be and it's not like yeah um something that we really kind of have going on in our society mm. um that can't this can be taken wrong sometimes mm -hmm. but is a a way of um being in that victimhood or victimizing mm. ourselves mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um, kind of wanting that pity. There's definitely there mm. people that do want that, but something that is so important that I just want to share because no matter what stories you want to share, no matter who you are, right. the biggest thing is 
knowing that the only person you really need is yourself. So right. if you're going through right. these hard times and you're going through these things where you feel as though you're the victim, you need to look at yourself as to why you see yourself as the victim and mm. why you're seeing yourself in that role or being hurt right. by whatever's going on around you. And sometimes, even though it sucks beyond belief, when no one shows up for you, that's because you need to show up for yourself. Mm. And that was one of the hardest things I've ever learned yeah. <laughs> in my life. Yeah. But it's true because you are the only one in, that can ever mm. love yourself fully and right. have no stipulations and like misunderstandings yeah. about that. And you're the one that comes home to yourself every single day. So you need to be able to be there for yourself right. and not allow that to be reliant upon others. And honestly, I see that concept as something that's liberatory. It is, absolutely. I see when I first found the ability, uh, I, I agree entirely with the concept. I, I learned it from a, a slightly different frame, which was the idea that there is no need for dependence on anyone to give you the validation that you are already capable of creating for yourself. Yeah, perfectly Those said. Those chemicals those neurotransmitters that come from the thoughts and energetic channels that exist on that cellular level that create those physical reactions, that is something that we are in complete control of manufacturing for ourselves. Exactly. We don't need to pay rent for that. <laughs> we don't need to go to the store to buy that. Yep. We don't need to get permission. We yep. don't need to draft a proposal. In that moment, we are sovereign. Mm -hmm. We have all the power that we could ever possibly need mm -hmm. to create those things that we need. And as a kid, I was so caught up in the state of need mm -hmm. because I did not know how to get the validation that I wasn't getting from my own parents. Exactly. And like learning to get it from yourself. And that's another part yeah. of conscious parenting. So anyone yeah. that has um, interest in that, look up conscious parenting. You can literally just Google those words and a lot of different book resources will come up. It's a dope concept. It is really, really beautiful. And it allows you to... Um, teach them to validate themselves and not constantly have to validate them, but yeah. learn that when they're in that um, very young stage yeah. that, yeah, they need your validation because they need to feel safe. Right. And their muladhara chakra um, or their root chakra, which mm -hmm. is located at the very base of the spine or your perineum, mm -hmm. actually takes the first seven years of your life to fully form. Wow. But... Once it's fully formed, mm -hmm. it's very rooted in your being. So right. these things that we do that we never question and it's so automatic, yeah. that's from age seven and before. Right. And those are the things that we usually have the hardest time really connecting off. with because they're so old, perhaps, yeah. um, and so deeply ingrained. Right. Like we've run that lap so many times, like yeah. we're like in that rut. You know, and yeah. it just like that's the that's that's the core of the motherboard that drive that that is the imprint of the information that our entire system functions from. Mm -hmm. It's hard to get down to that stuff. It is. And it takes work and time and a yeah. lot of time. I'm yeah. not gonna lie about that. 
And yeah. that's, um, that's something that with these practices, I highly suggest, like how we mentioned meditation earlier. And mm. even with the Manamaya Kosha that we're still um, like in the midst of discussing, yeah. that is, think of your brain as a muscle. Yeah. That is a muscle that you are toning. Right. Can you do a plank for 10 minutes off the bat? Right. No. I mean, most people know. Yeah. Um, so no, you're not going to be able to meditate for 10 minutes off the bat. Right. And horses even... do it really easily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. It's just kind of, but it's there. Yep. But it's a matter of, it's a muscle you're flexing and you need to exercise it and allow it to expand at its own pace and not put pressure on yourself because it takes so much time to cultivate it. And even if you fall away from meditation for a week, you're going to have to kind of restart and go a little bit less time than you did perhaps the week before, you know, Mm. it's a matter of it is exercise. It is self-discipline, but when we fall into the space of self-discipline, we are the most free. Can you say that again? Oh my god. When we fall into the space of self-discipline, we are most free. Wowza! What a perfect place to end this part of the conversation so far. That developing the sense of self-discipline is the place where we are the freest. That opens up so many questions, and it opens up so much of our ability to heal each other. Tune in tomorrow for the continuation of this conversation as we explore deeper into the koshas, and Tori gives even more insights on how we can navigate this beautiful and layered sense of our multiplicity. It's going to be a great episode, and you won't want to miss it. If you have any questions that you want to send out to the folks Deconstruct, if you have any recommendations for things that you'd like to talk about, if you just want to reach out and say hey, feel free to hit us up on any one of our three social media platforms on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We just made a meme page. It's called Deconstruct Memes for Rehumanizing Teens. We're letting the entire community come together there to post and to share feel free to go over there. And if you want to see all of the places where you can find us, head over to our link tree. That's L-I-N-K-T-R-E-E T-R dot E-E slash Deconstruct Podcast. So many exciting things are in the woodwork and I can't wait to show you what we're coming up with next. Stay tuned because it's going to be a wild ride. Stay cool, stay centered, stay sharp, and stay beautiful. I love you. My name is Fitzgerald Pucci, and this is Deconstruct. Deconstruct.